for my ally is the Force. And a powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings so we, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. Here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Don't know the power of the dark side. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. I got a bad feeling about this. Welcome to episode 124 of Blue Harvest. I'm your host, Halls Burkhart. And I'm your host, Will Witten. And we've got some big things to talk about with you guys this week. Big things in the world of Star Wars. Big things in the world of Blue Harvest. So you know what? We're just going to r- jump right into that shit. Uh, how do you guys feel about getting a little business? Because I feel like giving you a little business. I like the business. So, uh, I'm going to get the most important piece of business out of the way first. Our 2017 Blue Harvest Holiday Special is available for purchase now at blueharvestpodcast.bandcamp.com. For just $4, you get over four and a half hours of Star Wars Holiday podcasting goodness and you know what it's not just me and will along for the ride no we got a hold of some of our best podcasting buddies and brought them along too people like jason and amanda ward sal perales chris fresh johnny grosso steel saunders jesse mcgarity got in the mix and you know what maybe even a couple appearances by some of our more prolific star uh, blue harvest voicemail lever people King Tom and Soar's Bandeem, that's what I'm talking about. And the best thing of all, all the proceeds from this sale of this episode go to the Kessel Toy Run, which is a very special charitable event that we are glad to be supporting this year. It's going to be donating toys to kids in need and bringing lots of joy to kids that could use it this holiday season. So please, guys... Go and pick up the episode. I put a lot of work into it. I'm not joking. On Thursday, no, Wednesday evening, I edited probably for seven hours. So go and get it. And if it's successful this year, we're going to be doing it again next year and the year after that. And uh, we're going to find some special ways to bring a little goodness to the Star Wars fandom, which I'm a big fan of. 
So once again, check out at the Kessel Toy Run on Twitter or on Facebook to see how you can go and donate toys if you'd like. And check out our holiday special, which is available for just $4. You can donate more if you want. But for $4, four and a half hours of Star Wars holiday podcasting content. And that's at blueharvestpodcast.bandcamp.com. Some of the titans of Star Wars podcasting mm-hmm. included in there. And I can't thank all of our amazing podcasting friends that took their time to sit down and record with me for a little bit to help this make this uh, holiday special as special as it could possibly be. And to create something that's going to go for so much good mm-hmm. for kids in the world. Uh, meanwhile... While you're getting that holiday special, you can uh, like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Blue Harvest Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Blue Harvest Pod. You can email us at blueharvestpodcast at gmail.com. And we have a Public store, tpublic.com slash user slash Blue Harvest Podcast. And we are so damn ass proud. And excited to be part of the Making Star Wars Podcast Network, where you will find only the finest cream of the crop Star Wars podcasts, such as Now This Is Podcasting, Steel Wars, and hey, guess what? If you like me, you might be able to hear me. Well, no, not might. You will definitely be able to hear me on this week's Steel Wars call-in show. So check that shit out. Rebel Girl, Cantina Cast. Podcast 2187, Rogue One, Tarkin's Top Shelf, Idiot's Array, First Order Transmissions, and The Cargo Hold. Whew. That's a lot of business. The business went that long was some this good week. business. Yeah. It was long and strong. So, guys, I have had a long-ass week. Long-ass week of podcasting between uh, scheduling all our great guests for the holiday special doing Rogue One, editing the holiday special and Rogue One. So, if I'm a little worn out this week, I apologize so much. But you know what? I think the amazing damn-ass Star Wars announcements and news we got this week will revitalize me and help me come across the finishing line. The passion for your projects comes through. So, guys. Not guys, Will. How's your week been, buddy? It's been a good week. Came down to see my mom's. I'm at my mom's house right now. Oh, so you're in the old Mobile. In the Mobile AL. You know who was in Mobile this week, at least briefly, was Poppy and Titanic St. Clair. Really? Do you know who they are? You don't know Poppy. I don't, but I was about to act like I did. Poppy is... um, She's a YouTube pop star. I don't know really how else to to describe Ironic it. Ironic that her name is Poppy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Does and, she and sing like, oh yeah, on YouTube. Well, and she just put out her album. Jason Ward is actually who turned me into Poppy, um, and it's really you know like like uh, I like some pop music when it's really well done and kind of weird. Sometimes there's got to be sort of a weird edge to it for me to like it. I mean, yeah, who doesn't? Um, and Poppy definitely meets that criteria um does she use a ukulele no she doesn't it's very uh that's refreshing because it seems like every 
person trying to make it on YouTube is playing the ukulele. No, no, no. This is actual like real, really well produced pop music, and there's like a a whole sort of storyline that goes behind it, and it's honestly it's kind of making fun of pop music and the internet and stuff. It's it's really interesting. Um, give me one second. <laughs> Give me just one second. So this is Poppy. You can hear that? I can. We'll just let this kick in a little bit. Just give you and the listeners a little taste of Poppy. Why not? Fuck it. Check out that bass line. It's very, um... So that's Poppy. I'm not going to make you listen to the whole song. I like that. I get how the lyrics are kind of uh, satirical. Mm -hmm. Um, It has kind of a shiny toy guns LaRue kind of feel to it. At least that one song does. Right on. Right on. So uh, you want to talk some Star Wars? Indeed. That's what we're here for. That's what we're here for. Not to listen to Poppy. I I do enough of that when I'm not recording. Not that that wasn't delicious because it was. Um, so big news this week. Um, someone even described it as a blue harvest holiday special miracle. I believe that was our buddy, uh, Eric Struthers. Um, it got announced on Thursday that Ryan Johnson, director of the last Jedi has signed on for a completely new Star Wars trilogy. Independent. A trilogy of his own. A trilogy of his own, independent from the saga films. So before we get into discussing this, let me read you basically the statement that Star Wars put out, or Lucasfilm put out. Lucasfilm is excited to announce that Johnson will create a brand new Star Wars trilogy, the first of which he is also set to write and direct with longtime collaborator Ron Bergman on board to produce. As writer-director of The Last Jedi, Johnson conceived and realized a powerful film of which Lucasfilm and Disney are immensely proud. In shepherding in this new trilogy, which is separate from the episodic Skywalker saga, Johnson will introduce new characters from a corner of the galaxy that Star Wars lore has never before explored. We all that love- line right there Ooh. is what captivates me so. Oh, there's movement. We all loved working with Ryan on The Last Jedi, said Kathleen Kennedy, president of Lucasfilm. He's a creative force, and watching him craft The Last Jedi from start to finish was one of the great joys of my career. Ryan will do amazing things with the blank canvas of this new trilogy. <laughs> That's and My mind just keeps a buzz with uh, new characters from a corner of the Star Wars galaxy that uh, from that Star Wars lore has never before explored and i'm well what is that what corner of the galaxy what has star wars not explored like now 
something that you've got to keep in mind. The one thing I would say to keep in mind with that statement, um, and this is not taking anything away from it, is... Is it just hype? No, no, no. I don't think it's just hype, but I think you might need to separate something Star Wars has never before explored, meaning canonically, meaning in a show uh, like a cartoon or books that are now canon. Um, And Jason from making Star Wars called into the Steel Wars call-in show when I was just recording that a few minutes ago and mentioned that one of the big rumors he was hearing during the production, like pre-production for The Last Jedi, is that Ryan Johnson was working on a lot of lore stuff before writing the movie. Like he was really nailing down aspects of Star Wars lore, lore, right? Which is what fascinates me so as mm-hmm. I have said on many occasions. And so we also know from trailers and things like that and the fact that Luke is on the planet where the first Jedi Temple was created that some of that lore probably has to do with like the beginning of the Jedi Order or things of that nature. So I kind of wonder and kind of suspect that maybe this Ryan Johnson trilogy will explore that. Will it explore the the beginning of the Jedi Order? Will it will it go back millennia and millennia further back than we've ever seen anything in the official Star Wars canon? There was a um, a comic series called Dawn of the Jedi that kind of explored that, but that's not canon anymore. That's what I mean when like just because they say it's not explored yet doesn't mean it's not something that has been explored before in some sort of fashion if that makes sense yeah but i'm here to tell you uh a trilogy of ancient star wars history jedi and shit man sign me up that's all i can really say like fucking Just for emphasis, like, I love that do you, idea. Do you like that? Oh, I like that! I do, Will. I do, I do, I do. Mm. Um, you know, uh, something else to kind of consider is there's been sort of, I guess, hints and rumblings in some of the Star Wars canon that Snoke is somebody that comes from the unknown regions of the galaxy. Is that what this movie's going to do? Is this going to explore... The uh, unknown regions? The unknown regions of the Star Wars galaxy. And my question is, if the galaxy is so well explored, how is there an unknown region? What makes it unknown? Is it inhospitable to get to? Yeah, that you want to... You know, honestly, I don't know the answer to that. I don't know that there is an answer to that. Why is there... Like, with technology working the way it does in Star Wars, why is it that there is an unknown region? And... Clearly, it's not that unknown because it's been established that the remnants of the Empire sort of retreated to the unknown regions, formed the First Order, and then came back, right? Right. And is it, like, so maybe the center of the Republic was not the center of the galaxy. Right. You know, perhaps the center of the Republic was offset to one side of the galaxy, and from there rippled out the waves of influence of the Republic. 
before it crashed into the Empire. And therefore, <coughs> maybe uh, other sectors of the galaxy do not fall under the jurisdiction of the Republic slash Empire. Because maybe the center is not in the center of the galaxy. Does that make sense of what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I kind of get it. But that still doesn't explain to me why that unknown region isn't explored. It, it, kind of what you were talking about a second ago. Is it, is it dangerous or difficult to travel to? Is, right. it filled is there with some sort of radiation black... or energy or a massive black hole? Or... Yeah, yeah. That's, that's something that I'm not quite sure of the answer to. Um, I just I believe that's classified as lore. Yeah, I believe so. Lore's band team. <laughs> lore, lore, Santeca. That's what it is. He he wasn't working Lors. on Star Wars lore. He was working on a trilogy of Lore Santeca movies. Ooh, that'd be cool. Um, yeah. The so like I'm not gonna try and play it cool and act like I'm wasn't excited to hear about episode seven, eight, and nine. And I'm still not excited. And like, I'm not excited to continue to explore, um, you know, Luke and Leia characters. We've, we've known for a while now, plus the new characters, but the idea of a completely new, just a fresh, clean slate to, to build something new on. Have we ever gotten that in star Wars since not since, Knights of the Old Republic, I don't believe. Right, but, well, I mean, when I say that, because they've done that in books and comics and stuff for sure. Knights of the Old Republic, Tales of the Jedi, um, you know, Dawn of the Jedi, like I mentioned. Things like that, but what I mean is in movie or TV show form. Like, it's always I'm been... obviously not. Yeah, it's always been anchored to something familiar since 1977. You know, even the prequels. You know? Right. So... A fresh, clean slate Star Wars movie? Whew. Like to where, kind of like the original Star Wars, we have no idea what's going to happen. Right. I envy that early audience. You know, that first, seeing Lord Vader for the first time. Seeing in the theater, like seeing Luke square off against Vader. And then the reveal that he's his father. Like the mind-blowingness of that in theater, I envy. And I know I'm going to get some of that in The Last Jedi, but... I've you know I've grown up with Luke. I know mm -hmm. you know I, I've mm -hmm. gone into that with some sort of connection. There's going to be you know, some connection. There's going there's gonna be to be no... familiar elements. Right. And well, I, I'm sure there will be familiar elements of Ryan John in Ryan Johnson's trilogy, like that are just Star Wars elements, space battles, the or Force, the Force, space travel. Yeah. Maybe the Force. Maybe the Force won't be. Maybe it's a uh, scoundrels and mm. nerf herders. I don't know. I mean, I say it now just because, but I don't know how stoked I would be on a completely forceless Star Wars trilogy. You know? The Force and, and Jedi and that sort of thing and Force users, like, that's kind of my jam. So Origins that, of the Sith. See, that's what I kind of think would be cool would be to see ancient Jedi, like... You could even go back to Octo, but have it be Octo when it was populated and have it when it was a thriving Jedi temple, you know? And then um, maybe we see the the fracture in the Jedi Order that creates the Sith or however the Sith come to be, right? Because that's not canon anymore where nope. they, the ex 
Jedi took over the Sith nation or the Sith planet. Right, uh, took over the Sith race. There was a race of aliens right. called Sith, and the the exiled dark Jedi sort of landed on their planet and sort of subjugated and interbred with them. And and that's not that necessarily stuff. that's not canon anymore. No, it's not. Fascinating. Yeah, I, I think it could be really cool. Now, my other question was: Do you think they'll pursue these stories at the same time? They'll do the next Skywalker trilogy, episodes 9, I mean, uh, episode 10, 11, 12. So personally, I don't. What I feel like, I feel like this trilogy is is going to serve another purpose in putting some time between episode 9 and a potential episode 10. I think we will see another saga trilogy, 10, 11, 12, or whatever, in our lifetime for sure. Uh, I just think this is a way for them to give us a saga that's not episode 10, 11, 12, so they can take their time and develop that and put some space between 9 and 10. So when they do come back with, hey, we're doing Star Wars episode 10, it's another sort of big event, you know? Yeah. Put some years on Daisy Ridley. And yeah. And, and they didn't mention Poe Dameron, which is interesting. Um, didn't... Kathleen Kennedy say there would be more stories for Poe, I mean, for Finn and Ray, but she didn't say Poe? No, when when talking about that, she said they were um, exploring story possibilities to continue the story of Ray, Finn, Poe, and BB-8. She didn't say oh, okay. Kylo. Um, and our good buddy, and I'm looking for it now. Our good buddy, King Tom, posted his speculative timeline for Star Wars movies going forward, right? And I found it. This is what King Tom thinks is going to happen, right? 2018, we get the Han Solo movie. 2019, we get Episode 9. 2020, Obi-Wan spinoff movie. 2021, Ryan Johnson's first trilogy movie, okay? 2022... Star Wars Story 4, meaning like the fourth spinoff movie. 2023, Ryan Johnson's second movie in this new trilogy. 2024, another spinoff movie. So the fifth sort of Star Wars Story movie. 2025, Ryan Johnson's third movie in this trilogy. 26, the sixth anthology movie. And then in 2027, which coincidentally would be the 50th anniversary of star wars episode 10 and that makes a lot of sense to me i'm not gonna lie that gives us you know what um between 2019 to about eight years between episode 9 and 10 and like you said that uh, allow our main surviving main characters to age up a little bit you know, and uh, and work in that that needed passage of time between Star Wars trilogies. Um, do you think they're going to kill Luke off in this trilogy, or do you think they'd try to bring him back for an ancient Luke role in that that next one? I don't know. I personally want Luke to survive this trilogy, and then say in Episode Ten. Like, he's not necessarily even in it that much, but he's there as, like, the wise, really Grand old. master. Yeah, really old master, right? Yeah. And um, I think that would be cool. 
The other thing is, is like, I don't, I don't want Luke to die, but I, but every character has to die at some point, right? And I don't. I'm also thinking about Mark Hamill's willingness to participate. Ah, uh, not know. that he wouldn't want to, but just that. Yeah. How how many more how many more Star Wars movies does he want to do? Right. Well, the other thing is, is I don't want Luke Skywalker to die, but every character has to die at some point. And what I don't want is the death of Luke Skywalker to happen off screen. You know? Right. I, I know that's sort of a weird contradiction. Like, I want Luke... If Luke's story has to be resolved in that way, I want to see it. I don't want to have to read about it or, or you know, things like that. I want... I want them to do it right and and show it, you know. Um, I totally like, agree. I'd be cool with having him ancient Luke, you know, in episode ten, eleven, twelve, but not be the focus of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Another interesting thing to to keep in mind when reading that star, and I actually I didn't catch up catch this until I was just reading it again for us. It says. Um, uh, the first of which he's also set to write and direct. So a lot of people have been saying, you know, Ryan Johnson's going to do the whole trilogy. Uh, I, if they're really going to keep the every two years schedule with this new trilogy, I I strongly believe that it's more likely that he'll pull a J.J. Abrams where he directs the first and last and passes the mi- middle one off to someone else. As long as other people can be up to the challenge. Yeah, yeah. Um, And unlike J.J., though, I think Ryan Johnson is going to have more of a hand in guiding this new trilogy. Because, you know I love J.J., but it it kind of feels like he made his movie and then handed it off. The rest is up to y'all. Yeah, and I'm sure... I did my thing and I am exhausted. I'm sure he's been available for for chats with Ryan and stuff, but I something th- tells me he doesn't want. It just feels like he doesn't want the pressure of deciding where it goes. Well, he's got to decide where it ends and talk about pressure. You know, yep. <clears throat> um, I just I feel like a J.J. Abrams, not Ryan Johnson. No, that's what I'm saying. J.J. Abrams has yeah. to to he has to he has to decide where this trilogy ends because he's doing nine. Um. I just get the feeling that Ryan Johnson is going to probably have more in a hand in guiding and charting out this trilogy beforehand. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up writing all three and directing two of them. I think that's, and I think having a main person in charge of and, and sort of steering the ship of a trilogy can only lead to a really a more cohesive like thought out planned experience and i feel like the first two are the most important and not that the third film in a trilogy isn't important but it almost it's the resolution in the denouement it's the putting the bow tie on it because you know it's where the the story ends it's where i don't know it's the resolution of the conflict of of the entire trilogy so it's hard to fuck it up. You know, if you want creative control, I would imagine it, it's the first and second movie to guide it where it needs to go, and then you let someone else put the final, deliver the finishing blow. Yeah, 
I mean, in some ways I agree. In some ways I can see it, it, it providing its own set of difficulties. You know, like you got to think about if Lucasfilm wants you to, to set things up for a, a third trilogy, uh, you know, episode 10, 11, 12, then you got to handle that. You got to, it, really, how difficult episode nine is going to be to pull off we won't know until we see The Last Jedi and see where all the True. pieces are in the table after that. You right. Know? Um, yeah. But in some ways, I definitely agree. Like, <clears throat> in most cases, you wrap up the third movie of a trilogy by having the good guys win. That's, like, that's a pretty solid starting point. Well, the good guys got to yeah. prevail. I mean, I guess they could go some weird way where the good guys don't really win in episode 10 or 9 which will lead to episode 10, but I kind of feel that wouldn't be very uh, satisfying, especially if there's going to be a significant gap in between well, 9 and 10. To me, what's so sad and what we learned from The Force Awakens is that you know, when you watch Return of the Jedi, you feel like the good guys won, but when you watch The Force Awakens, you're like, oh, well, they didn't really win. They just kind of broke even. They made it to middle ground. Well, no, I mean... They won. There were some. There was thirty solid years or whatever. They liberated than, the galaxy. They did. But they the, didn't. They did not finish off the empire. It came back anew, like, and yeah. destroyed the entire, you know, republic and its yeah. whole core system. But I'm saying for thirty years they they set up a republic. Han and Leia were happy for a good chunk of that before they split up. You know, Luke. Had, probably had some damn ass good times exploring the galaxy with his nephew and learning ancient Jedi shit. Eh, things definitely took a turn. Shit. But yeah, I mean, if if you're gonna have a, a sequel trilogy to the original trilogy, things gotta things go bad somehow, great. you know? Yeah, I mean, I know. Um, but I definitely know what you mean. If you don't know about the good stuff that happened between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens, and let's be honest, we don't know a lot then it's kind no. of easy and, to look. And the, for, the, for the mainstream people that don't read the books and comics, they'll mm -hmm. have no idea. Mm -hmm. They have no idea. It is kind of easy to think, like, damn, things are really shitty for all our main characters from the original right. trilogy right now. Life is hard as a motherfucker. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, uh, is there, besides any of the ones we've, we've talked about, when you've, when you sort of chewed this over in your brain, this Ryan Johnson trilogy, what's it made you think of? Is there something you'd like to see? Um, that my mind just goes to so many places. It races. You know, like um, like I was wondering if it was going to take, you know, like I said, like a bounty hunter scoundrels kind of look, if it would be a different corner of the galaxy, like geographically. Like would we see different parts of the galaxy we haven't ever seen? Would it be different places in time? Would it be, you know, force-centric would it even have Jedi? You know, would it have the Force without Jedi? You know, proto Jedi, the formation of a Jedi Order. You know, I, I, I don't know. My mind races with what the possibilities could be. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's so exciting because, like, it think is. about this. Like, fucking stoked is what it makes me. The other thing I wonder is, do you think they'll continue to do spinoff stories? I think will they will. they continue to do? If they want to do a movie every year, I think they kind of have to. Right. Will they do two a year is the question now. I don't know. I don't ever... I, I, I don't... 
I could be wrong, but I just don't foresee a year where we get two Star Wars movies in one year. It's already going to feel a little weird getting a Star Wars movie five months after The Last Jedi. <clears throat> I just... Two a year seems... Especially with what our next topic is, the TV series, like... I mean, would I be stoked to to go have two opportunities to go see a new Star Wars movie every year? Absolutely, yeah. but I also kind of feel like it. Like there's okay. a lot to there's a lot to unbox in the TV show conversation, and we'll get to that next. But when when the Marvel universe, the cinematic universe, kicked off with Iron Man, like I went to see every one of those new movies for the first few years immediately, as soon as they came out. Mid, right, you know, midnight first release if I could, and since then, like, it's it's fallen off. Like, I haven't seen Thor yet. It took me two or three weeks to go see Spider Man, and Spider Man's my favorite. You know, um, is that because we're busy guys, or or is it because we just lost interest? Interest waned because I, I don't feel like interest waned publicly. You're absolutely right about that. I don't feel like interest. There are still Wayne people that Park. go see those. Yeah, and I still go see them, and release. I still enjoy them. You know, it's just there's so and like there's three Marvel movies a year, and like you know that's a lot to try and and get to and see and take in and figure out where it fits in the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe, and especially if you ain't like a regal VIP Carmite, you know. <laughs> just, just so I got the movie pass. <laughs> yeah, movie pass. I, and, and I just, I don't know. Um, but that's not, I mean, plenty of people I know, uh, friends of ours, friends of the podcast, like Araj, King Tom, like all those people, they catch the Marvel movies immediately. Um, it's just, I don't know, for me, like it became less of a, I have to see this immediately type thing, even though right. I still enjoy them, even though I'm still excited, like I can't wait to see Thor Ragnarok. Right. But I just haven't made the time yet. Um, and I never want that to be the case with Star Wars. Um, Star Wars is a horse of a different color for me, though. So it's a, it's a totally different circumstance. It is. It's a different beast. <clears throat> All right. So we kind of briefly mentioned it. The other thing that came out. Before this... we pop into that, you want to downshift one step and then we'll go right into the tv series sure absolutely the only reason i have to mention this is because it is star wars news and i know you may feel ambivalent about it but um Gigi and bella hadid and uh what kendall jenner did a photo shoot that was star wars themed and the internet has been giving them so much shit about this photo shoot um and like i said i just have to mention it because it technically is star wars news but I believe the problem with this is just a double-edged sword, okay? I don't really give a shit. You know, that's fine. You know, you want to do a Star Wars photo shoot, that's fine with me. I, I don't really care. Uh, it's because Star Wars has become so popular and is something that people want to be associated with, that want to be considered hip and, and current, that people are going to co-opt that. Uh, and like that's you know that's the the positive end of that blade. The negative end of that blade is it's co-opting nerd culture for a profit. You know you're co-opting the culture that you may not necessarily give that much of a shit about. I don't necessarily think these models give too much of a shit about Star Wars, but you know 
oh oh the fuck well Star Wars is pop is so so popular now that you know people want to do fashion shoots with it. I don't really give a shit. I'm not trying to give them a hard time about it, but the internet has given them a fucking hard time. About it. <laughs> Look, I don't think you should the, anybody should be giving them grief or whatever. Like trolls just need to calm the fuck down. Like internet yeah. trolls are just fucking the top of the top fucking filled with excrement bags of human shit type like youtube comments fucking twitter blowhards fucking the internet has allowed people uh, a hearty slice of anonymity mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. one thing that you realize about the human psyche is that it uses that anonymity to do some pretty awful shit oh you know, there's some pretty it. some pretty prominent psychological experiments in history uh that show you that Yep, I've seen it. So, Star Wars TV show. It got mentioned. This- I believe this all came up, and maybe even the Ryan Johnson came up, because of the uh, Disney earnings call, or investors call, or whatever the fuck that thing's called, with Bob Iger. And he mentioned that a Star Wars live-action TV show is in development for Disney streaming service that they're planning on launching in 2019. Uh, it's been a story for a little while now that Disney is planning their own Netflix style, style service. Yeah, and that's where all your Disney movies will be. That's where all the Star Wars movies will be. All your Marvel, Marvel movies. movies will be. And I'm gonna have to, as much as I necessarily don't necessarily need another streaming thing to pay for, I'm gonna have to clearly. Yeah, this one. I mean. If it okay, if they were just gonna say all the Marvel movies, like all our movie content is on there, then it's probably something I could pass on because, you know, you own most. Of it. I like own. I like owning the Blu-rays. I'm still that guy that likes to own a movie, even even if it's not Blu-ray. I'll buy a movie digitally sometimes, right? In right. fact, this week I got and watched my first 4K Blu-ray, and you know what it was? What was it? Spider-Man: Homecoming. Hell yeah. Speaking of which, have you seen that yet? I have not. I I might have a code for a, da- a digital download that you can use if you want to check it out. Hot. What'd you say? I said hot shit. That'd be awesome. Um, one thing that Bob Iger mentioned in this earnings call was that they project that this streaming service will be below, like he specifically says, below Netflix's ten ninety nine a month or whatever it is. Mine personally, yeah. Mine personally is a little higher because I upgraded to like the 4K Netflix or whatever since I got the right. the TV and the the Xbox and whatnot. One of the questions I have is: Will content roll on and off like uh, Netflix does? Things will come on and then they'll go off and may come back on again a year from now, or you know, content comes and goes from Netflix depending on. What they have, I guess, bought the rights to. I don't know specifically. I think that's what it is. Uh-huh. But since Disney owns all the rights, will they have all their content up there for streaming all the time? Or will they cycle things on and off? Because Disney's famous for only pulling Disney movies out of the vault ever so many years. For a limited amount of time. Right, for purchase permanently. Now, let's say I want to watch uh, Snow White. Or I want to watch mm, the Sword in the Stone. Do I have to wait make sure till, I get that in? 
when it's on the mm-hmm. streaming service, mm-hmm. or will it always be there for me to watch? Will I have to wait for Rebels to come on the Disney streaming service and it's only there for you know a couple months out of the year? So that's a good question. When you look at other streaming services like HBO Go or HBO Now, all of HBO's original content, their movies they've made, their documentaries they've made, their TV series that they've made are always available. What changes in and out are the the movies that you right. can catch on HBO. And that's all licensing, just like Netflix. Right. You don't have to worry about Netflix uh, licensing with Disney. They own it all, right? What it makes... But what I kind of could see them doing is sort of a Netflix style thing where all of the original content they create for this streaming service is just always available. Kind of like, you know, Netflix didn't take the first season of Stranger Things down after a while. It's always up there. So I could see them doing that with animated shows, uh, live action shows, things like that. And then what maybe rotates is their movies that are available. Because if, For one, I can't imagine it launching with the entire Disney catalog of movies available to watch. Like That's that's a a lot of movies. Yeah. I mean, that is... Just just the animated Disney movies alone would be insane. That's not counting live action. There's a lot on Netflix. I mean, not the whole whole library, but damn if there's not, you know, nine to ten Disney movies on Netflix at a time. Yeah, if not more. But those also rotate in and out, and that's part of the deal with Disney that they're not going to have anymore. I Maintain exclusivity mm-hmm. and demand. I just, I don't know. I, if I had to guess, like I said, certain things will be there permanently and certain things will cycle in and out. And more than likely, the movies will be what cycle in and out. Say I want to watch Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. Right. Angela Lansbury. That darn cat. You know what? I I like that darn cat. Is the... Was that darn cat where the cat was an alien? Or is that a different one that I'm thinking of? I don't think so. Okay. There was My Favorite Martian? Yeah, I not that. The one I'm thinking about, there's... Absent-minded professor? There's definitely like a, a cat... Cat from space. Mm, I... It's been a while since I've seen that darn cat, but I didn't think that he was an alien. It's probably... Okay, so I am seeing the cat from outer space. I don't think it's a Disney movie, though. Came out in 1978. Uh, yeah, does not appear to be a Disney movie, though. No, it is. Production company, Walt Disney Productions, released in June, June 9th, 1978. So... The cat from space. That's what I want to see. I like cats. I like outer space. Fucking. That's right up your alley. Now, <clears throat> this does, I mean, when I heard it, super excited. The more I reflected on it, kind of anxious. I, so, I can speak from experience talking um, with people that called into the call-in show. You're not alone. There's a lot because of anxiety going on about this show. Just look at, you want to look at other Disney properties with... Uh, TV shows, Marvel has not been incredibly successful in humans as struggling agents of shield. 
not necessarily. I mean, I think saying struggling for Inhumans is being incredibly nice to inhu- to Inhumans. I think that show basically was a huge bomb. So stuck. Um, I um, haven't seen it yet, so I can't speak to it. I know our buddy Calvin is a huge Inhumans fan, and when I say that, I mean the comics. Right. I don't. Uh, I haven't had a chance to ask him about how he feels about the show, though. Um, Doing H- the chick with living hair on TV sci-fi TV effects budget is, I don't know. That's ballsy. You got you got some big balls, my friend. <laughs> well, okay. This is the thing. What you got to keep in mind is. Disney is trying to sell a new product in this streaming service, and they're breaking into the streaming market fairly late. When you think about how well-established services like Netflix and Hulu are, and that's not even counting Amazon Prime Video, uh, all the you know the pay cable services, HBO, Showtime, Stars, Cinemax, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, their streaming services. Uh, Funimation and Crunchyroll and and all these streaming services we have. So you got to imagine that if they want to break into that market, they know they've got to make a big splash. They got to offer something that's going to bring people over. Obviously, if you offer the very first Star Wars live action show as one of your your selling points, that's going to bring people over. Uh, It's going to bring me over. Secondly, you got to hope that they realize, like, you can't do Star Wars on the cheap. Star Wars on the cheap is not going to work. I'm not, not ex- going to work. I'm not expecting them to spend the budget of episode eight on a season of Star Wars TV, but they've got to. It's tough. Like, you know, it has to at least be on that Star Trek budget. I, I think it's got to be bigger. To be honest, I mean, I agree. I'm just saying, I say at least, <laughs> at least, you know, like, you know, I've I know a lot of people that like the Sci-Fi Channel, uh, Battlestar Galactica, the yeah. the new one, and I've seen a couple episodes, and it's not that I dislike it. I've just it's one of those shows that I've always meant to go back and watch and and check out. That I just you talking never about have. the one with Lady Starbuck. Yes. Okay. Um. But even seeing that show, like, if that were Star Wars, that's too low budget for Star Wars, you know? Right, that's too low budget. It's also real heavy on the political intrigue. I mean... Yeah, yeah. But, you know, that's just... Nothing that's nothing wrong with that. That's the Battlestar Galactica flavor, you know? Yeah. Like, where the classic Star Trek flavor is, like... Uh, peace among worlds and and Galactic exploration, yeah. Versus exploration, right? Um, to me, it's going to be a very tight juggling act for the Star Wars TV show. And when I say that, I mean they've got to juggle the right amount of budget versus their being very creative with that budget to make it not feel like TV, make it feel like an event. Make it Budget, feel like Star Wars. Talent, mm-hmm. story. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's what. And performance is an aspect of that. But if you get the right talent and the right story, <laughs> that takes care of itself. Right. Um. It just makes me nervous because you know seeing what the other Disney super you know action superhero thing is coming up against in the TV land again. That's cable TV. That's not a streaming right. service, right? So it's a different 
land, but seeing what they're okay with producing is scary. Yeah. You know, well, seeing what they're okay to throw against the wall so, to see if it sticks is disappointing. And if we want to go to use Netflix as a basis for an example, Netflix has had some hits and misses. Um, but th- to see how tone deaf that they could be about Iron Fist as compared to Daredevil, mm-hmm. who sat back and said, this is a good idea. Let's keep going with this. This is, this is going to be good. People well, will like so, you know, I think the, you know, I think Lucasfilm being involved will make it a little different than the Marvel stuff because, you know, those are two separate parts of Disney that work independently. Right. Um, I think comparing, if you're going to compare this future Star Wars TV show, you would be more accurate to compare it to one of the Netflix shows because, like you said, it's it's coming out on a, a streaming service versus cable TV. And once again, like, I don't know. It, it makes me. It's nervous. not going to be on the Game of Thrones level because it's not going to be that adult and ghastly in some parts. No, no, and I don't mean I don't. I've always said like. I don't necessarily want rated R Star Wars. I'm perfectly fine with Star Wars being PG, PG-13 or somewhere in between those two. Right? T for T. You know? Um, I feel like Star Wars sort of works best when it's in that area, you know? It maintains um, an ele- element of wholesomeness. Yeah, and like, I don't know, it's just... Uh, I don't want dark and gritty Star Wars. Like, and and I don't mean in like the Rogue One sense because it was a bit of a darker movie. It was a bit grittier, but like, I don't want like just constant. You don't want the Punisher Star Wars. Yeah, I don't want the constant like depressive fucking burden on your shoulders that like a Zack Snyder DC movie is. Like Batman versus Superman, my favorite movie to fucking shit on. Um. You know, I, I just. Are you excited about Justice League? No. Nah. I mean, they they just haven't done That's it. That's your Batfleck. Do you know how hard of a boner you have for Batfleck? Have you, buddy? I, I I don't know that I can stand behind my boy Ben Ben Affleck anymore. He kind of got revealed to be a piece of shit, a gropy piece of shit. Yeah. That's. Do you know how sad that made me? That made I, me almost as sad as when it came out that Matthew Fox was a piece of shit. Because you know how I feel about Jack Shepard. I do. I do. I do. And and I'm not going to lie. Like, a lot of people are like, well, just, you know, it's Jack Shepard, not Matthew Fox. Matthew, you know, he's playing that character. It's the character you but like. That, but I still no, see that. it, and I'm like, oh, man, that dude's a piece of shit. Fuck. It takes the wind out of your sails. A little bit. A little bit. Um, it's like don't peer behind the curtain. Yeah, don't Never see how the sausage idols. is made. Um, Power corrupts is all you I can know, tell you. Will I see Justice League eventually? I'm. I absolutely will. I absolutely will see it. I will. I'm saying ninety percent. I won't see it in the theater. Nothing in the trailers has excited me. The CG looks bad, and you know I'm a fan of CG. Like, I, yeah. I'm not one of those people that di- instantly discounts something because it's CG. That's what I w- originally went to college for, was computer animation. Um, just nothing about it seems appealing. And I enjoyed Wonder Woman. Um, I think it was the first time they've done a good movie in this DC 
cinematic universe or DC, whatever they want to call it. Um, it's just, it, it has no interest to me. It's coming out a month before The Last Jedi. I'd rather save that money that I would spend on Justice League tickets and see The Last Jedi, you know. And I'm not an trying to shit time. on it, but after Batman versus Superman, it just kind of seems like it's on the struggle bus. Well, Wonder Woman did so fantastically. They, they, I think they definitely created a lot of goodwill and got a lot of confidence back with Wonder Woman because it was good. Like I, I will be the first to call out a DC movie when it's shitty, and three out of the four so far have been shitty to me. So the most endearing character from that uh, trailer is the Flash. Absolutely, and I, I think that kid's gonna do great as the Flash. I think. You know, uh, Jason Momoa will probably be pretty solid as Aquaman. I'm He's sure. getting his own Flash movie, but the Flash story they're pursuing seems kind of odd. Yeah, that is that is a topic for another day. I could go on yeah, and on I, about that. Right, it's, DC seems to be picking these weird-ass comic storylines to try and build mm -hmm. this cinematic universe around, which I think is that's a risky move, dude. Like that's you're getting real away from your bread and butter of you know these star these superhero origins and and their their uh what should i say their uh their personas yeah that flash movie has had a a troubled production whereas it i think it's lost three directors maybe just two but there's been directors leaving the project and i don't know man i you know i just tell any movie that deals with time travel you better do that shit well because if you don't you're gonna fuck it up well i'll say this some of the best time travel related stories and comics that I've read, and I'm by no means like, uh, you know, a, like a hugely educated in every comic. I have, I've read a lot, but by no means am I like, say, our buddy Les and Boo and Araj from the Sith list. I'm not hugely educated like I am with Star Wars. Right, but I have read some solid, very solid time travel stories involving the Flash. So if they wanted to do a time travel movie, uh, I think that's the right character to do it with. And I like the right. casting. Have you seen um, Perks of Being a Wallflower? Have you seen that movie? No, um, I've seen it a few times. It's one of Jesse's favorite books, and. Um, so she was real stoked when the movie stoked and anxious when the movie came out. Um, and the movie I quite enjoyed. I've never read the book, but I enjoyed the movie and the kid that's playing the flash is in that movie and, and he does a good job in that. So, okay. Um, all right. Well, so anyway, get back to, back Star, to Wars. Star Wars TV. My whole feeling basically is super excited and really anxious. I'm like, Oh God, please don't suck. Please don't suck. Please, please don't suck. But, um, yeah, and I'm not. There's no, by no means, does the Clone Wars or Rebels suck. I need more. I just need more than that. I need. For sure. It it's almost too white bread. You know what I mean? It's almost too. Um, I feel that way about Rebels sometimes. I felt like Clone War. I'm definitely uh, one of those people that's a big fan of Clone Wars. Um, I think Ahsoka and her storyline and the angst of that mm -hmm. made that gave that a depth of character that saved where that was going. Well, I think that part is cool. 
Obviously, I love the the Mandalorian stuff quite a bit with the Death Watch and what have you. Uh, That's I, cool too. I really like the um, the mall stuff. I really like the uh, uh, Dothamiri witches or whatever they call them. What do they call? Yep. Call? Do they just call them that in the show? I'm drawing a blank. Um, I like the clone stuff, like where we got to know. Uh, you know, more than just Commander Cody, where we got to know totally. the different clones and their personalities and stuff. And everything liked... you're talking about is the growth of auxiliary character and the depth of their characters, right? right? But I also, my favorite version of Anakin Skywalker is in the Clone Wars. Like, Agreed, that, because that that's where he's kind of at his prime. His yeah, peak. and you get to see him very heroic. You get to see him as the hero, hero of the Republic and stuff. Um, but to the other side of that for me is that Obi-Wan and Anakin, I don't see a lot of growth, right? I don't see a lot of character development that from where they are in the beginning is pretty much where they end up at the end. Well, I feel like when you watch the Clone Wars, you have a better understanding or not even better, a fuller understanding of Anakin's sort of slow descent to the dark side, you know? I, d I definitely right. think you see more elements of him falling and, and being tempted by the dark side when you include Clone Wars in that. Um, and this, by the way, this is not to say that the Clone Wars never had a bad episode. They did. There were bad episodes in the six yeah. seasons of the Clone Wars. I just, I still like it. I, I feel like... When I was a kid, again, this is not me shitting on it at all. Oh, I know, you know I know. I'm I, just saying. I know this this TV show. I hope it's an hour long. I, oh, I me think too. The thirty minute, the you know, less than thirty minute formula for both. Isn't Rebels less than thirty minutes? Yeah, twenty two minutes or you yeah. Know. I think that hampers a lot of what could go really great. Absolutely, and uh. If I had my choice, it would be an hour long, and each season would probably be 10 episodes long, you know? Right. And, well. you know, that I think shorter season, hour long, I think that allows you to do more character development and more um, character moments, because... You know, there's only so much dialogue and, and, and stuff like that that you can do in a Star Wars movie. There has to be healthy amounts of action and intrigue and sci-fi weirdness, right? But if you got 10 hours to tell a story over a season, then you can add a little bit more of all of those elements, you know? Yeah. Um, I just think it's going to be a difficult a job that I don't envy trying to work within whatever budget they're given to give us the Star Wars feel on a TV budget. And and I hope they can pull it off. I've got at least a small amount of confidence that they can because it's Disney. And I don't think Disney... I think Disney realizes that like if they're going to use Star Wars to try and get people over to this service, then they really got to come hard with it. And I hope, I hope that's the case. Um, Fire... Firefly did a fairly decent job, mm -hmm. but it helps that the the world of Firefly, the spacefaring world of Firefly, is so dirty. Yeah, see, that's of, what I was going to say about Firefly. is It's, it's not on the mass grand scale that kind of Star Wars is. And they could sort of do that. They could set this in the outer rim. And, and have it could be more real the, dirty. Yeah, the dirty, run-down planets. 
the one thing about Firefly I'd say is that like nine out of ten, 10 times when they go to a planet, it just looks like the old west, you know? Right. And you're saving on costume. Like, yeah, I get location you, and stuff. You made that work. Right. I see what you did there, but I can, think I, it, it worked well for what they were trying to do. And I don't and think I you can do that. For their budget. I don't think you can really do that in Star Wars either. You cannot. I think you have to have at least a little bit of you know, Star Wars style adventure planet hopping. I'm not Flash saying it has to and be panache. Yeah, I, I don't think it has to be a new planet and a new crazy location every episode, but I also don't think you could set the whole series on one planet in one location and still give you that good damn ass Star Wars feel, you know? Right. Um if if they want to explore Star Wars without Jedi, if they want to do like, um, you know, a Star, Star Wars, Wars Underworld. Yeah, Underworld smugglers and stuff like that. I think that actually fits the TV format a little better than a movie format for the most part. Um, I just, uh, you know. And one of the things I feel about Rebels is that there's always, there's this token lightsaber drawing moment, right? Like I'm watching an episode of Rebels, I was like, Man, nobody's drawing a lightsaber this whole episode. Somebody's gonna draw it, mm-hmm, whether mm-hmm. they just swing it around a couple seconds, you know, or whatever. You got to get your token lightsaber draw in this episode. Yeah, yeah, it can definitely feel like that a little bit from time to time. Um, but you know, we'll see. I'm excited to to dive in. More content, more Star Wars content is something I'm always gonna be right. down with. I just, uh, you know. I hope it's good content. And More excited than anxious, I will admit. But we're just, you know, we're talking uh, about my anxiety. No, I, I, buddy, I completely agree. Like, there is a healthy bit of anxiety in there. You know, since this whole Disney thing started, and, and when they bought Star Wars in 2012, like, you know, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was sort of just kicking off then, right? Yeah. Or was just about to. So, like, it kind of made sense. And, and it's something we've talked about before that, you know, eventually we were probably going to be getting a live-action live Star Wars show. Um, and if it, if 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 I, I'm not convinced that they're planning on launching the app with this show. Like, I could see the app launching or, or the service launching and then a little while later they're like and debuting this month the new star wars live action tv show damn right. ass star wars um a damn ass star wars story a damn ass star wars story uh i just hope they don't rush it because if they if they are planning for it to be in, you know launching with the service in 2019 i hope it's been in development for a while i hope they're right. really really working on this and and not just trying to get it out to get people to subscribe to the service. Like so. like what you said, when we all knew that when Disney bought Star Wars, we knew they were gonna milk this cow. It's just you better milk this cow right. Yeah. Don't hope you be don't, gentle don't with you, the udders. You know, you know, be nice to the cow. Pet strong, the cow. Forceful strokes. Don't over milk it. Let it be a free range cow. Don't keep that cow in a barn all day. Let it walk out in the field. That farmer would be like, give me the milk. Give me the milk. <laughs> it's hard of that farmer, man. <clears throat> All right, buddy. So do you want to jump in and do some emails and stuff before we call this one a night? Yes. Well, you know what that means it's time for. I do. It's time for some reason for this not to work like it normally does. Prism. 
damn ass Kia D. That's right. Oh boy. What a week. Here we go. Kia D. Kia D. Kia D. Cockhead. The only Jedi master who can crash box. Kia D. Cockhead. Running around slaying bitches with his cockhead. He's a big Surian stud. He loves to split chicks with his pud. Kia D. Cockhead. To stroke his cone and suck on his balls. Kia D. Cockhead. What you gonna do when he comes on you now? He's a Jedi Council stooge, but he'll be pumping spooge tomorrow. Cockhead! Luhurp! Cockhead! Harsberger! Cockhead! Will Witten! Cockhead! Goose Paint! Cockhead! G-Money! Cockhead! King Tom! Cockhead! Joe! Cockhead! Key and D! Cockhead! Cockhead! So first up, we would have a voicemail from our good buddy King Tom. Unfortunately, it pertains to this week's Rebels, which I haven't seen yet. So King Tom, I'm going to we'll save it. Yeah, I'm going to save your your voicemail. I just, buddy, I haven't had any time. It's been a busy he's been week. A, he's been producing. He's been quite trying. a producer. Been trying. Uh, so first up, we have got an email from our buddy Josh Halls and Will. I don't really have a question for you this week. I just wanted to take the time to thank you both personally for what you do for the fandom and the lives of so many others. The holiday special and promoting the Castle Run is just the tip of the iceberg. By the way, that holiday special was incredible. I will be listening to it again during Christmas time. It's podcasts like yours and communities like ours that can really start to do some good in the world. So thank you again for everything you continue to do for us fans. This is what makes Star Wars fans so amazing. Your show brings me a lot of happiness, and we need that now in this damn-ass crazy world more than ever. Just keep on good, just keep on keeping on, good buddies, and I'll catch you on the flip side. And may the Force be with you. You're a buddy, a Josh, a Nelson. Oh, FYI, I asked Brandon about this, but I didn't know who I was supposed to email to put my name in the drawing, but there's, but here is the receipt for the holiday special. Oh sweet. This is um this is for the drawing that our good buddy Evan DeCellis is doing. So if you buy the the um holiday special, message me or Evan on Twitter with your receipt and we'll enter you into a drawing and you could possibly win your pick of any of Evan's amazing art prints on his website. So guys Artiste definitely do that. extraordinaire. Artiste extraordinaire. So, yeah, guys, definitely do that. You could be up for a very cool piece of Evan DeCellis. sick-ass prints. Yeah, and I have got uh, one of my personal favorite pieces of uh, Star Wars artwork is a sketch of Churret that Evan did. And uh, I, uh, I'm a big fan of that. Big fan of that. <clears throat> All right. So next up, we've got a voicemail from our buddy DeMarcus. I wonder if he's been... Having some wine, enjoying his playing with evening. his Force FX lightsaber. I hope so, man. I hope so. Let's hear what he has to say. 
Hey, how's and Will? It's your good buddy, Demarcus. And as I'm sure you guys have uh, been discussing already, new Star Wars trilogy helmed by by uh, Ryan Johnson set outside of the Skywalker saga. Awesome. New trilogy, awesome. Outside the Skywalker saga. Hit me in the feels, not gonna lie. I got a little emotional just knowing that we're gonna have a Star Wars trilogy that, you know, isn't in some way connected to the Skywalker saga, you know? Um, so yeah, that 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 had me in the feels a bit. But once I got out of those feels, if we're gonna do this, let's do it outside of this era then. Let's do it outside of the time frame of the Skywalkers, you know? Let's go um Old Republic. You know, or let's go um, prequel trilogy prior to and can be undiscovered. You know, Let, let's do something like that, you know, but um, I'm anticipating it either way. And I'm obviously Ryan Johnson must have knocked The Last Jedi out of the freaking galaxy, you know, because he's knocked it out of the park. Clearly, if they have that much faith in him to give him the keys to a new trilogy. So, yeah, this is um, it's good news. A little bit sad, you know, to know the Skywalker saga is ending at nine, essentially. Um, but, you know, let's see what we can do. Uh, may the force be with you guys. You guys have a good one. You know, that's something that we didn't bring up when we were discussing it. This to me, this is such a good sign about the Last Jedi. Like, yeah, I was I was gonna bring that up too. Like clearly, he's right. He has to have done a kick-ass job for them to be like, "Hey, you get your own trilogy." Yeah, and the other thing, Demarcus, that I would keep in mind, buddy, is like I don't think this is necessarily the end of the Skywalker saga. That's or, what I was gonna say too. It may like, not necessarily be the end of the Skywalker storyline. It's the end for now, you know. I, I'm telling you, like, unless this Ryan Johnson thing takes off in a bigger way than even, like, The Force Awakens, if this takes off bigger than any Star Wars thing we've ever seen, which, you know, I don't know how likely that necessarily is, then they're always going to want to come back to that saga, I think. Um, so... You know, don't be too bummed. I think, you know, we're just going to take a little break. We're going to take a break from all these um, characters we love and have just met Ray and all those guys. And, and I think when the time is right, I think we'll go back to him. I really do. <clears throat> um, and, yeah, I, I'm hoping what they mean by a... Um, an unexplored area of Star Wars lore or whatever means uh, sometime way before, you know, some far removed timeline. If if they're going to do this, if they're going to do all new, like put it so far out that there is no chance of any character we know appearing. Like, I don't want to see Yoda. I don't want to see uh, baby Yoda. I don't want to see uh, Chewbacca when he's a puppy. Like, you know, I want to see. They're going to have to fight the urge. Oh, they will. I mean, not they, not necessarily maybe for this trilogy, but at somewhere along the line, because I feel like it was pretty <laughs> gratuitous in Rogue One. Look, I love that that Darth Vader scene at the end of Rogue One. I think it's amazing. It's so but fun I mean, to like, watch. But pilots. 
Dr. Uh, Evazan and Ponder okay. Bobo. Okay, so the pilots to me make sense. If they are It makes sense. If it's, it, the ones that don't bother me or when they make sense with the story. So the pilots don't bother me because if this is the rebels from Yavin going on this mission above Scarif, then it would only make sense that some of those pilots would be there, right? Darth Vader makes sense to me as well because of the time period and stuff. But some, I won't lie, some of the Darth Vader stuff in Rogue One felt more fan servicey than I've seen in Star Wars before, right? Like the that Darth line Vader about thing. "Be sure you don't choke on your aspirations." I was yeah. like, "Oh, that's oh. that's a little Darth Ouch. Darth Vader working out his." material at open mic nights um yeah right and like i said i love that in darth vader scene it's so badass but like if if we're gonna be honest here it was a little fan servicey and that's i'm i'm a fan of fan service like that's what it's all about is giving fans something they really want to see but like i said like the concept of taking all that up, taking all these super recognizable characters, locations, and time periods off the table and saying, blank canvas, here's some fucking brand new Star Wars. That There's no reason to tie me. anything in, right? Yeah. That excites me totally so agree. much. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's certain no fly zones that I never want. Like, I never want to know what Yoda's species is. I don't want to see a planet of Yodas, you know? Like, there's always going to be certain because things. Because the less, sometimes the less you see, the more mysterious it is. You know? Right. Exactly. Um, yeah, and, and like, I never want the force to be 100% nailed down and explained. I want it to always have an element of the mystical to it. Um, that's why the midichlorians don't necessarily work for me in a huge way because it cl comes too close to giving too much of an explanation behind the force, right? So, yeah, oh, all of a sudden it's not mystical energy binding us together. It's biology, microscopic bacteria. No, thank you. Yeah, I mean, I like, I, I kind of like the uh, Jack Shepard at the end of season six of Lost where it's a... Uh, you know, you can be a man of science and a man of faith, and they can can work together or whatever. But his power level's over nine thousand. It is a little DBZ power level cheesiness. I will agree. All right. So next up, we have a first time writer. It's a buddy, new buddy. Well, old buddy, but a new buddy. Old buddy, buddy, new buddy, buddy. James. Hey, Halls and Will. Long time, first time. Real quick, before I dive into my questions, I just want to tell you how much I love the show. I'm a delivery driver, and you guys are the highlight of my Saturday. I run from midnight to around 9 or 10 a.m. on Saturdays, and you two always get me going and keep me hate from hating life when my day starts. So thank you. No, buddy. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And I'm, I'm glad we can, uh, you know, make at least an hour or two of your <clears throat> workday a little more enjoyable. I know how much podcast mean to me when it comes to something to do while I work and like it keeps me sane so I'm glad we can do we that take the you. mundane and we make it not so mundane <clears throat> anyway with Lucasfilm announcing a new trilogy developed by Ryan Johnson 
and a live action series on the new streaming service, what are some of the things you'd love to see them cover? For the sake of discussion, because I think this will be the most popular answer, I want you to exclude any Old Republic storyline. Okay. Lastly, okay, well, let's cover that first, because then he's got a um, uh, cooking with Will question. Um, w- so take Old Republic off the table. Give me one pitch for Ryan Johnson's trilogy and one pitch for the TV series that you'd like to see. Uh, Ryan Johnson series, birth of, birth of uh, the Order be it Jedi or Sith or the schism, you know, or, or even the, the birth of hyperspace, right? Getting to see as all these different species begin to communicate with one another, you know, as the first hyperspace, you know, hyperspace faring race spreads that technology across the galaxy. What does that look like? You know, how does the galaxy begin to become larger and smaller at the same time? through sheer ability to travel faster than light across it and how the force and all its different species figure into that. That'd be really neat. Um, that's taking it back way back, like beyond, beyond ancient, you know, beyond old Republic and beyond, I guess, even the beginning of the Jedi. Uh, you would assume that they would have to have intergalactic travel just to be all gathered on Octu in the first place. Right. Um, for the TV series, um, a new Jedi Order TV series, I think would be cool, or even you know Scoundrels Jedi Underworld would be would be cool. Okay, so my pitch for I'm going to try and go weird with my pitch weird. for um, the Ryan Johnson trilogy. The one I want the most is kind of what you said: the origins of the Jedi Order very ancient star wars i still want there to be you know intergalactic travel and stuff like i still want that like i don't want non-sci-fi star wars like i still want it to have elements of star star wars not cave you don't want caveman star right. wars you know okay on a side night side note you know one thing i really want from this new trilogy a new hero ship i want a new ship that is a character unto itself, kind of like the Millennium Falcon, and to a little bit of a lesser extent, the ghost from... What was Dash Rendar's ship? Uh, that Outrider. The Outrider. That was cool. Yeah, so... Almost uh, cooler than the ghost. The ghost is cool. I actually it... prefer the ghost. I just think the ghost looks cooler. The Outrider is cool, but I don't like that weird sort of tr- transformer thing it does. You know what I mean? Where, like, the middle sort of rotates or whatever. I just thought that was kind of B-Wing-ish. It reminded me of the B-Wing. Yeah, but to me, like that's for the B-Wing and smaller fighters. For like a Millennium Falcon-sized Fair ship, enough. it seemed a little yeah. weird, right? Fair enough. I know it's nitpicky, but that's... you know. No, no, I get it. New hero ship. The ghost seems very Serenity to me. They seem... Yes, and that's why similar. I like it. That's why I like it. Um, so... A new hero ship, and I want the ship designs and vehicle designs and location designs to be so brand new that it blows, like something we've never seen. I want it to look completely different. Like that's one of the few little nitpicks I have about The Force Awakens is that like, 
you know, thinking about a sequel trilogy, like one of the things I was looking forward to seeing was new spaceships. And we kind of got X-Wings and TIE Fighters again that were just you a did. little bit you changed. You sure did, you know? yeah. Um, and it seems like they're doing a little bit m- new in The Last Jedi, but once again, it's like TIE Fighters and at ats but, you know, different, a little different. Um, kind of even the same thing in the prequels. You know, you had the Republic gunships, which had S-foils, yeah. kind of like X-Wings. And then I, you had the droid ships were kind of like TIE Fighters. I felt like the original trilogy did a better job because I feel like did it better, yeah. definitely made sense that these ships were the precursors to the ships it we It definitely saw. did that. Correct. Um, I feel like it got more similar as the trilogy went on which makes sense because they're getting closer right right but when you look at the phantom menace and you see things like you know the naboo starfighters and padme's ship and things like that i felt like those were nice pod racers pod racing yeah pods like i felt those were all new designs that were pretty wildly different from what we'd seen before even though the naboo starfighter is my least favorite starship like i still like the fact that it doesn't look like Something we'd already seen, you know? Am I crazy that I want another pod racing game? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. That shit was kick-ass. It was. It absolutely was. I got that on my retro pie. I play that from time to time. It's still fun. Um, okay. So, Ryan Johnson trilogy. I'm just going to go somewhere weird with it. Set it 5,000 years after episode 9. Damn. Set it super far in the future. Where we can see some of, some of, but not necessarily all, because it's it's way removed from the sequel trilogy. But we can see some of the effects of the sequel trilogy, and maybe even toss in some hints at things that happen in maybe episode ten, eleven, and twelve. But you don't even have to answer it. And then what would be cool is then when ten, eleven, and twelve come out, they're kind of like a prequel trilogy to that, a very far removed prequel trilogy, but nonetheless. That's. To me, that's hard just because it, nowadays sci-fi is hard is having a hard time predicting the future. Yeah, I see that in, in sci-fi shows nowadays. The future looks a lot like the present, just advanced minorly. Like when you compare it to what you know, like Star Trek or Star Wars was in the '60s and '70s. Right. I, I guess some of those things have come to pass. Right. You know, like mobile phones and screens and you know that kind of stuff it's i think we're having a hard time envisioning what the future could be like i i can definitely see what you're saying because star the star wars universe is is such a more technology technologically advanced society you know world to ours that how do you push that 5,000 years further, right? Right. How is everybody But it would be cool like, to see. Don't get me fucking wrong. I'm not hating. I right, love but I think that would be a difficult nut to crack. So maybe 5,000 years is pushing it forward too far. Um, I think it'd be real esoteric and real transcendental. Right, like how is everybody just not a robot? Like how are people just not transferring themselves into robots or just traveling through space and thought ships that are basically just bubbles right like how is everybody just not like an amorphous conscious blob or you know whatever right 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 um tv series pitch i would like to see uh and this is just for selfish reasons obviously the rebuilding of mandalore and the mandalorian culture after return of the jedi so after return of the jedi show us what's going on with 
Mandalore and the Mandalorian culture. If you want to work Boba Fett in there, maybe you work some Boba Fett in there. You, you know what I think? We'll try to work Boba Fett in, but he's too he's too he's too Boba Fett for Mandalorians. You know, like right. Well, let's say like the story has to deal with Boba Fett returning and trying to, I don't know, find out about his Mandalorian heritage and and become part of that culture instead of just about. I don't know. I don't know. Just thinking. The so saying it out loud Fett didn't sound like that cool. He would think... Boba Fett doesn't, you know... He is Mandalorian culture. He doesn't... I don't know. Okay. I'm trying not to take it too far towards the Paul Dini stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. So, you ready? He says, Lastly, I have a cooking with Will question. As a former damn-ass chef myself... I'm wondering if he knows the answer to a very tricky Star Wars cooking question. Are you ready? Will, do you know the internal temperature of a tauntaun? Uh, it's lukewarm. Oh, he does know it. He does know it. I am familiar. Oh, my goodness. Look at that, buddy. You tried to get Will? He got you back. Got you back. All right. And lastly for the evening, we've got a voicemail from our buddy, Jonathan. Hey, Haas and Will. It looks like we got some damn-ass good news this week that we found out that Ryan Johnson's going to be creating a whole new trilogy. And from what Star Wars said, from a a part of the galaxy, corner of the galaxy that we've never seen before. So what do you guys think they mean here? Do you think they're going to go back in time and do Knights of the old Republic? Or do you think he's going to step into the underworld? Or do you think he's going to go somewhere that we truly haven't seen in, in star Wars before? I'm just curious to see what your, uh, predictions are for that. And I'm super stoked about Ryan. Uh, I think he's great. I haven't seen, you know, the movie yet, but man, from everything we've seen, it looks awesome. So hey, I think we're in good hands with him. Uh, second question for Chef Will. Uh, I love the Southern Classic Pimento Cheese Spread. Now, you know, you can get it at the supermarket and it, it, the regional ones, and they're okay. But Chef Will, do you have a recipe? What kind of cheese do you like to use? What kind of mayo do you like to use? Uh, obviously, pimentos. Do you have herbs and spices that you like to put in it? And any tips on making a really killer pimento cheese spread would be awesome. All right, guys, keep up the great podcasting, and may the force be with you. Buddy, I mean, I think we kind of covered the first part of your question. Um, we did. I think I, I'm sorry. I feel like yeah. we just ex- did that exactly. No, I mean, look, he, he clearly— Sometimes that happens. Sometimes that happens. We clearly—there's something we were going to talk about this week, and that was going to be some damn-ass Ryan Johnson trilogy. Um I just think it's exciting. I am really excited about the concept of this. One thing that I didn't bring up before that I think is something to keep in mind, like, or no, I did bring it up, where I think maybe he might direct the first and the last one and pass it off to someone in the middle. I did bring that up. I've podcasted so much over the last few days that I can't remember what I said when. Fuck. Something that just popped into my mind I think would be cool that maybe we just didn't mention. Um, I think like a forced duel would be cool. Like, maybe not necessarily, maybe some lightsaber combat, but kind of like a mage duel Mm. with force powers. You know what I mean? We've talked about this before. And I don't know. I'm trying to think of 
examples when we've seen that in like ancillary uh, Star Wars material and it actually worked. And one that comes to mind is a cinematic for the Old Republic where you see, uh, is it Satine or Satil Sean fighting Darth Malgus? And she like, they're like force powering back and forth and she pushes them through a mountain and shit, right? Do you, have you ever seen this? I think I have, yeah. And that worked pretty well. On the other hand, like, I know this is probably going to be blasphemy, but okay, let me start off by saying I really enjoy the Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings trilogy. Fellowship of the Rings is one of the most... I know what you're about to say. One of the most enjoyable movie experiences I've ever had in the theater that wasn't Star Wars related. Uh, that movie means a whole lot to me because my grandfather got me into Lord of the Rings when I was a kid, and all the time he and I would talk like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if they did movies? They finally did them, and my grandfather went with me at midnight. We went to a midnight showing of the the Fellowship of the Ring, my freshman year in college, right? And then that summer he passed away. So that, that movie's always going to hold a special place to me because... Of my granddad, who uh, I spent a lot of time with as a kid. Like, I spent a lot of time with my grandfather and and grandmother. And, uh, like I said, he got me into fantasy. He's the one who introduced me to The Hobbit and fantasy uh, movies. We used to play EverQuest together. This dude was all about fantasy. However, I say all of this so I can say this. The fight between Sauron and... Gandalf where they're like mean mugging each other and having like a psychic wizard fight is it's pretty anticlimactic. It's just I'm not a fan. Like in in seeing Jedi or Sith like Jedi versus Sith doing that to me is not as interesting as that plus lightsabers, you know? Or yeah. something else. And I mean, I get it. It's almost like the fight at the end of the Matrix between the agent oh, and awful. Neo, the fucking DBZ fight. Okay, the, the Sauron versus Gandalf fight is a million times better than that, though. I'll say that that DBZ, the agent Agent Smith is made out of rain. Ugh. One day, when we don't have such a packed podcast, I will give you my thesis on the moment that ruined the matrix. I mean, to me, it was the second movie. I know the first movie was kick-ass. It happens before. I think the writing was on the door before the second movie. We'll get in. It's to me the. I'll just say it. I'll explain it later, but I'll give you the, uh, the succinct, the too long didn't read the moment when Neo flies at the end of the first matrix movie. Is, yeah, when yeah, the, yeah. is when the Matrix was ruined. Yeah. That's how I feel. Agreed. So, <laughs> you got any pimento cheese goodness for this man? Okay, pimento cheese. Pimento cheese is one of those things that tastes completely different when you make it homemade mm-hmm. as to what you get in the store. It, yes, so, it does. you can appreciate what you get in the store for what it is. It's delicious. I mean, it, it is what it is. I've never had a homemade pimento and cheese that I've made or that anyone else has made that tasted anything like store-bought pimento and cheese. So, but 
you can use any number of pimento and cheese ingredients and make it your own. Um, you want to make a Southwest pimento and cheese, uh, take some chipotle peppers, one or two, put it in the food processor, whip it into your mayonnaise, puree those chipotle peppers, then add your mayonnaise. So you basically have a chipotle aioli, which is the basis for the pimento and cheese. Pimento and cheese is pimentos, the mayonnaise, and then the cheese that goes into it. You can take it any way you want from there, any spices, anything, um, you, you can, like I said, with Chipotle, that makes it kind of a smoky southwestern. Add some cumin, a dash of paprika, maybe some tonies as your salt element. And then the cheese, whether you're a mild cheddar or a sharp cheddar kind of guy. Um, I like the extra sharp cheddar. I love super sharp cheddar cheese. Just really love it. It's my favorite kind. That's what I would make my pimento cheese with. Um, I also would make my own pimentos. Okay, I like to fire roast red peppers. Fire roast the red peppers, stick them on a grill or even the open flame of like a gas uh, eye burner. Get that skin on the outside of the red pepper black, blacken it. Then stick those peppers in a metal bowl, put uh, plastic film over the top. Let it sit for about 15 minutes. It's going to create a steamy, the heat from the peppers will create a steamy environment in that bowl. And then you can take the plastic off and peel that skin off. The skin will come right off after it's been sitting in that steamy bowl. Uh, you take all that blackened skin off, and then what you're left with is those nice fire-roasted red peppers. Okay, You dice that up. You, uh, you cut the, the outside pepper meat off, get rid of the seeds and the stem, and then you dice that up. You've got some really kick-ass fire-roasted red peppers. That's kind of what pimentos are. Now, you can do the same thing with canned pimentos. It's fine if that's what you like, even if you like the flavor of canned pimentos. I love fire-roasting red peppers and making my own pimentos. Uh, and then mixing that in with the mayonnaise. Turns kind of pinkish. Uh, it's really great. So what I would do if I were making my own pimento and cheese, uh, just basic, I would do the fire-roasted red peppers, some paprika, a little bit of salt, cracked red pepper, uh, super extra sharp cheddar cheese. Okay, you want to go any way from there, you can add jalapenos. You could fire roast jalapenos in there, have some of those in there. You could add bacon. Uh, mm. You could add crispy bacon into your pimento cheese. You could go completely off the wall, use a different kind of cheese. You could use pepper jack cheese. You could make pimento and cheese with pepper jack cheese. You could make uh, pimento and cheese with... Um, let's say, a white cheddar cheese or um, uh, any a Munster. Or, you know, there's so many ways you can own pimento and cheese. I would tell you to play with it, you know, some different things that you like. You could add caramelized onions. Anything could really can really kick up homemade pimento and cheese. And you can do it so many different ways. But the way I would do it would be to mix your pimentos and whatever peppers and onions into the mayonnaise mix all that mayonnaise together and then add your cheese fold it all together then you've got pimento cheese just shredded shredded cheese off the block you know then you free refrigerate that let that sit for at least a day maybe two so those flavors can melt and then you've got some kick-ass pimento and cheese um i would season lightly with salt just because those flavors meld and you don't want to over salt the pimento and cheese because you can always add a little more salt later so I would add the seasons I want, let it sit for a day, taste it, and you'll know where to go from there. That sounds excellent. I think I think you got it, buddy. Um, Spread it on some toast or mm. some really awesome crackers. Uh, 
One thing I would say is there is a restaurant here in Birmingham called the Paramount. Paramount. That's like a burger, a hot dog place. It's a barcade. They have an appetizer there that's their home, their house-made pimento cheese, and it's got candied bacon and maybe pickled onions on the side that you eat wow. with it. So, like, you spread the pimento cheese on like little pieces of bread. Toast points. Toast points. And put a little piece of candied bacon on there and whatever the onions. And it is phenomenal. Something that goes great with any cheese dish. Just drop this knowledge on you. Um, pickled red onions. Pickled red onions or quick pickles. And when I say quick pickles, uh, sliced cucumbers, a little bit of crushed red pepper, maybe a little bit of sugar in the vinegar. So, in you know, quick pickles. Maybe you let that sit for a day or two. Hence the name quick pickles. Quick pickles are the shit. Well, I think that nailed it, buddy. And I think that is going to do it for us this evening. Thanks so much for uh, taking the time to record with me. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. And I am off to enjoy my kick-ass new Xbox One X. Hell yeah. Let me know how that goes. I am off to take a few days off of podcasting. I am off to... Hopefully, watch the purchasing of uh, the Star Wars or the Blue Harvest Holiday Special roll in. By the way, guys, again, if you would like to get that, it's only four dollars for four and a half hours of Star Wars holiday podcasting goodness. You can get that at blueharvestpodcast.bandcamp.com. I can't tell you enough how much I appreciate everyone who has already bought it several people have donated more than the four dollars that's not necessarily by any means but it is so appreciated i cannot wait until we get to take pictures of this huge mountain of toys that will be delivered to these kids in need and man it just makes me feel nice makes me i just want to say a quick word of thanks to everyone that listens everyone that listens to us every week uh, everyone that, that tunes in and makes us a part of your life. Thanks for having us in your life. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Thank you for supporting us. Everyone that writes in or leaves us voicemails, thank you for doing that. I don't feel like I thank you guys enough, and I really appreciate what y'all do for us and the love you send to us and uh, how much you care and how much you are an active part of this. And thank you to everyone that has bought the holiday special and has contributed to such an amazing cause. So, Thank you to all of our listeners, our whole Blue uh, Blue Harvest family, all our moisture farmers. And uh, thank you to the Making Star Wars Network for making all of this possible. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, it's been a real kick-ass two and a half years or so of doing this podcast. And uh, it means a whole lot. Thank you to all of our guests that have taken time to come on and be part of this with us. And thank you to Stone Cobra for making the music by which we get down to funky town. One thing I'd like to add is the star Wars, the blue harvest holiday special. I forgot to say this earlier. It's only going to be available until around December 10th. And the reason we're doing that is we need to have enough time to use the proceeds to get toys and send them to the toy drive. So guys, if you want to get it, get it while you can, because it's, it's exclusive. It's a limited Limited time time offer. Um, like I said, mainly because we want to use these funds to donate to the toy drive and the toy drive takes place on December 15th. Um, we'll mention stone Cobra. If you love our theme song, like we love our theme song, then you've got to check out the band that was kind enough to provide the music. They are stoned Cobra. 
You can find them on iTunes, on Spotify, and at stonedcobra.bandcamp.com. And guys, until next week, we'll see you then. This has been Blue Harvest. I'm Halls Burkhart. And I'm Will Witten. May the force be with you. May the force be with all of you. May the force be with us. <laughs>